Welcome to the Simply Financial Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Calandra. This is season number four, episode number 35. Today I wanted to cover how the Federal Reserve works. Uh, Given what's happened in this country and with the economy and the pandemic, you often hear about the Federal Reserve, also known as the Fed. Did you know that on every bill, uh, dollar bill, $5 bill, $10 bill, it has on it the words Federal Reserve Note imprinted on the top. Take a look. Very interesting. The thing is, the Federal Reserve is an incredibly powerful institution, but many Americans, maybe even most Americans, are unfamiliar with the important role that the Fed plays in the economy. So the Fed is America's central bank. It was founded by Congress in 1913 with the goal of providing the U.S. with a safer, more flexible, and more stable financial system and monetary system. So the role of the Fed has evolved over the course of time, like lots of bureaucracies and institutions tend to do. Today, the Fed has four primary roles in the economy. Number one, they oversee the economy. Number two, they supervise and regulate. Number three, uh, they maintain, in many ways, the financial system. And number four, they are the banker for banks and the U.S. government. So let's take them one by one. They oversee the economy, and that includes three mandates. They have to maintain maximum unemployment, or their goal, I should say, is to maintain maximum employment, uh, maintain stable prices, which is shorthand for managing inflation, One of their key charters is not to let inflation get out of hand. We haven't seen inflation get out of hand for a very long time, but it is something that the Fed is always on the watch for. So they want to maintain maximum employment, maintain stable prices, and maintain moderate long-term interest rates. A lot of this is subjective because as of this recording, we are at or near historical low interest rates. The Federal Reserve has decreased interest rates here over the last stretch of time, especially during this emergency period caused by the pandemic and the economic fallout of that pandemic. Uh, So I'm not sure exactly what moderate long-term interest rates actually means in an environment we're almost at zero. But in overseeing the economy, there are three mandates, maintain maximum employment, maintain stable prices, maintain moderate long-term interest rates. The Fed does not directly control any of these. They do not control directly employment or inflation or long-term interest rates, but they do wield a tremendous amount of influence by using various tools that are at their disposal. Again, this is another area that's evolved. The Fed today, in 2020 in particular, they do things that the Federal Reserve would never have done in the past. Uh, It has evolved as the markets and the financial system have changed over time. The Fed has changed with it. But they have a whole bunch of tools at their disposal. And when there are emergencies, like the one in 2020, 
and like the one during the Great Recession in 2008 and 2009, they will create new tools. These tools will impact the availability and the cost. When I say cost, think interest rates. The cost of money and credit. A key example, and the classic example, is the Fed impacts short-term interest rates by reducing the Fed funds rate. Now, the Fed funds rate is the preferred rate which banks charge to lend one another. So behind the scenes, for some regulatory reasons, Bank A will lend money to Bank B so that Bank B has the right amount of reserves, and they'll charge that bank interest. So it's a preferred rate. The Fed funds rate is controlled by the Fed. And when the Fed lowers rates like they've done recently, borrowing becomes less expensive and people may be, and I emphasize may, may be motivated then to borrow and or spend more because interest rates are lower. And this is one of the levers that the Federal Reserve can and often does pull in their effort to influence the economy to maintain employment, prices, and stable long-term interest rates. When they lower rates, they're attempting to stimulate economic growth. They will always be on guard, as I said before, for too much growth, because too much growth could, not automatically, but could cause inflation, and that's definitely something that they are ever watchful of. The second thing that the Fed does is supervise and regulate. They are responsible for establishing and enforcing regulations that banks must follow. They coordinate quite a bit with other federal and state agencies to ensure that the financial institutions are financially sound. This has taken on increased importance and emphasis since the great financial crisis where we saw our financial institution uh, be brought almost to its knees. And they also want, with this uh, regulation, uh, to make sure that the customer is treated fairly, the consumer is treated fairly. So that's under supervise and regulate. The third thing they do is uh, manage the financial system. Uh, They want to maintain stability, and the Federal Reserve is authorized to step in as the lender of last resort in an effort to provide liquidity. We saw that this year in 2020 when the Fed stepped in and said, listen, we will provide liquidity for the system. They said that if need be, they would buy bonds from U.S. corporations. In the past, they bought bonds from the U.S. government, treasury bonds. They will step in and provide liquidity. It's not good for a financial system when people that want to sell cannot find a buyer. And the backstopping that the Fed provides is very encouraging. They have to wield this power quite carefully, in my opinion, but it is an important role that they play so that even when things get bad, which they sometimes do, that there'll always be a buyer out there, that being the Fed. And what they are willing to buy and the amounts that they are willing to buy in have grown dramatically over these last bunch of years. The Fed acted in an unprecedented way during the great financial crisis in 2008. And what they've done here in 2020 dwarfs 
absolutely dwarfs the activity they did in 2008. So they continue to evolve, as I've said at least once or twice before during this episode. So they maintain the financial system. The last role they play is as the banker for banks and the U.S. government. They maintain various payment services for banks, including collecting checks, electronically transferring funds. Uh, For example, there's the automated clearinghouse. Any of you that are listening that um, invest so much money each month into an IRA or a SEP or a college fund, you might do $200 a month on the first of every month, that kind of thing. That is almost always processed through the ACH system, which is overseen by the Fed. They are also charged with distributing new money and also responsible for destroying old, worn-out money that needs to come out of circulation. So those are the four things. Oversee the economy, supervise and regulate, maintain stability in the financial system, and they act as the banker for banks and the U.S. government. The Federal Reserve is structured through 12 independent banks that are spread throughout the country. So you have banks in 12 different cities. They are Boston, New York, Philly, Richmond, Atlanta, Cleveland, St. Louis, Chicago, Kansas City, Dallas, San Francisco, and Minneapolis. One of the oddities of this is that The only real West Coast location for one of the 12 independent banks is in San Francisco. It seems to me a little surprising that there isn't more on the West Coast, given the importance of California and Silicon Valley, but that is the way that they are structured. As we wrap up, let me point out, there is a fabulous book about the formation of the Federal Reserve. It's actually very critical of the Federal Reserve, and I don't want to get into that. I really wanted to just speak about the basic nuts and bolts of how the Federal Reserve works in today's episode, but a very powerful book on the formation and how the Fed runs today. Although it's a little dated, it was written in 2002 by G. Edward Griffin, is The Creature from Jekyll Island. It is a big book, but uh, if you're a geek like I am, you may find it very interesting. I'll be back with you on the next episode of the Simply Financial Podcast very soon. In the meanwhile, please go to www.elliotwealth.com to get more information about me and the team and how we help our clients win with money. Additionally, at the site, sign up for a complimentary consultation if you're not a client of ours already. And please subscribe to the podcast. That would be wonderful if you could do that for me. Thanks again. I'll be back with you soon. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of Sage Point Financial Incorporated and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Please note, the information being provided is strictly as a courtesy. When you link to any of the websites provided here, you are leaving this website. We make no representation as to the completeness or accuracy of the information provided at these websites, nor is the company liable for any direct or indirect technical or system issues or any consequences arising out of your access to your use of third-party technologies websites, information, 
and programs made available through this website. When you access one of these websites, you are leaving our website and assume total responsibility and risk for your use of the websites you are linking to. Securities and advisory services are offered through SagePoint Financial Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, insurance services offered through Elliott Wealth Management, LLC, not affiliated with SagePoint Financial.